Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prado. Today I'm talking about lamenting. There's pain everywhere, but we need to know how to biblically express our grief. And quite often we see that in the Bible as lament. But what is lamenting and how do we do it? Now, somebody had messaged me um, on one of my social media, and she asked, um, I'm always on the hunt for a podcast that talks about lament. What does it look like to lament biblically? I am learning as I go through this grieving process. Now, I received that message, um, and I'm inevitably, as I scroll on my social media, I see pain and grief and sorrow, anger, confusion and fear. People are really hurting right now. People are dealing with miscarriages or child death or parent dementia or accidents and tragedies, dread diagnoses. The person above reached out asking about how to express grief in a way that would be honoring to God? What a great question. We say things like, oh no, that's lamentable, without really knowing what lament is. We see biblical characters like putting ashes on their head and wearing sackcloth and think, gee, that's kind of a weird way to grieve. Sometimes we're just embarrassed or struck silent at the outpouring of another's grief and we stiffen up or edge away. So how do we express our grief? We know there's a right way to worship him. Is there a right way to lament? Is complaining acceptable or not? Can we be angry at the things coming upon us? We know we're so tired of our own sin, and we're definitely tired of the waves of the world's sin washing up on us. There's nothing we can do about our own and others' sin as long as we are in this flesh, except strive toward the prize, perhaps mourn along the way, strive some more. But how do we keep depression or anger or bitterness away? It's a big topic, and I'm going to tackle lamenting as best I can in hopes that it will both honor Jesus and help women who might be going through some unimaginable pain. And this will probably be three parts. This part, which is what biblical figures did wrong in their grief, what biblical figures did right in their grief, and thirdly, what lamenting is. So here's what not to do. Now, God is orderly. He has a right way to do things and a wrong way. He demands worship as well he should, but only in proper certain ways. He also expects self-control on our emotions. 
For example, we know we can be angry, but not sinfully angry. Ephesians 4.26. We know we can demand justice. Psalm 82.3 or Isaiah 1.17. But only if our motivation is for God's glory and not our own personal vengeance. Romans 12.19. So since the first sin that caused the fall of humans and the entire creation to become cursed, which groans even now for redemption, sinful actions flowing out from the first action have caused grief. I mean, immediately after the fall, we began to see it. The sins began to rear their head. We saw lying and blame, guilt, jealousy, rebellion, murder. Cain did not fear God. He argued with God and was irreverent with him, saying, my, my brother's keeper. And soon after, he even killed his brother. And that reminds me of a scene that's not in the Bible, but probably happened. It was depicted in the painting called The First Morning, which is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Adam and Eve mourned the death of Abel. It's from 1888 by William Bougereau, and if I'll describe it. It's on the blog, but it's Adam and Eve huddled together with Eve clutching her face, obviously, her shoulders tensed up, obviously crying, and Adam, his hand on his heart, wretched pain on his face as the body of Abel lay, the dead body of Abel lay across them. When they discovered the body of their son lying lifeless on the ground, I mean, they must have found the body and they must have mourned. They knew what death was since God had killed an animal and given both of them its skins to wear for clothing. And they must have killed animals in order to eat since having been thrown out of the garden. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Their own death was graciously held off, but their son, their son died, was killed. And so their original sin came back to haunt them in an intimately devastating way. And we've been grieving ever since. Grief and the deep grief of lament is laced throughout the Bible. Some of the causes for it are largely unimaginable for us Westerners in this day and age. I mean, not only in personally intimate scenes like the one with Abel's death, you know, the death of a child, whether small child or adult child, but some widespread, I mean, like the Pharaoh who demanded the death of all the firstborn sons. What a horrible grief for the mothers such horrible, horrible grief for the midwives. And again in Rama, when Herod ordered all boys under the age of two killed. This is known as the massacre of the innocents. And I can't imagine killing babies. I can't imagine the wails of the mothers. We, we know of this scene from Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen. A voice is heard in Rama, lamenting and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. 
She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. How does one deal with that kind of grief? I mean, I haven't had that particular grief, but I have mourned in my life. The emotion was so big, it swelled up into a ball in my spirit, so massive it couldn't come up to my throat, which was constricted with tears. But it must emerge. Stoic suppression of such grief ruins a mind and a heart. I mean, it poisons it. Constant petty venting of grief allows for anger and bitterness to slide in, but wallowing in it causes depression. Let's look at three biblical people who are examples of those three inappropriate expressions of their grief. First, Naomi. One way of a way not to deal with grief and anger might be Naomi. She was bitter. It says in Ruth 1, 20 to 21, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Well, Naomi was hardened by life and by grief and by want. She was not only bitter, but she blamed God in her grief. This is not the way. I'll read a quote from the entry of Lockyer's All the Named Women of the Bible, titled, The Woman Who Tasted the Cup of Bitterness. Quote, Naomi could not bear the contradiction between the name she bore and the person she was. Ten years in Moab, with all its anguish, and also the loss of fellowship with God and his people, had dried up her finer feelings. Once so sweet, Naomi was now sour. She blamed God for the poverty and desolation she had endured. But why chide God? Was not her cup of bitterness the result of the act of disobedience when, with her husband, she left Bethlehem for Moab? Had she stayed in her own land and maintained her trust in God, in spite of the famine, he would have undertaken for her and her family and brought them through. But the journey to Moab was a journey from God. And consequently, her bitterness was the fruit of such an act of disobedience. Again, that was from Lockyer's All the Named Women of the Bible. So she displaced her own disobedience and it transferred into an anger against God. Now, we know the story of Job. Satan demanded to show God that prosperous Job would cave in and blame God if he removed the hedge of protection around Job and if suddenly Job was not prosperous anymore. Job never caved, but Mrs. Job did. Job 2.9 says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold firm your integrity? Curse God and die. Mrs. Job had had enough. 
Now, let's give Mrs. Job a little grace. She had lost all her 10 children, too. She was grieving. But her grief turned to anger against God and against her husband. Ladies, this should not be. Improper grief can lead not only to bitterness, like Naomi, or anger, like Mrs. Job, but also depression. When Jacob was told that his son Joseph had died, he didn't really die, he was put into a pit and then sold as a slave, so the death report was a lie. So Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned his son for many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, surely I will go down to Sheol in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. That was Genesis 37, 34 and 35. Jacob, thinking Joseph had died, sunk into a depression that only looked downward into Sheol, which is the grave, instead of up to God. I mean, he outwardly mourned in the way his customs dictated with sackcloth and ashes. But his inner spirit was broken and he refused to be comforted. Remember, a lot of times emotions are a choice. He had 11 other sons, but they didn't matter as much to him as his favorite, Joseph. And Jacob never really recovered until many years later, when the brothers returned from Egypt and told their father that Joseph was alive. Well, then his spirit revived. Genesis 45, 26 to 27. But wrongly expressed grief can turn to depression, especially when you choose it. Now, all three, Naomi and Mrs. Job and Jacob, did exactly the wrong thing. They focused on their circumstances, and for a long time, too. They nursed their circumstances, and they did not look to God. Now, grief is perfectly fine as an emotion. Jesus himself was the man of sorrows. He wept for Lazarus. He wept for Jerusalem. But grief wrongly expressed can dishonor God as Naomi and Jacob and Mrs. Job did. Now, grief expressed outwardly in the custom of their day. Let's look at that briefly. The Bible has plenty of scenes where people mourned a death and expressed that outwardly in their custom. Quite often, they covered their heads. They wore sackcloth, which was like a rough clothing. They tore their clothes. They sprinkled ashes on their head or face. They emitted loud cries and they wept. Those are main expressions of a deep grief. Sometimes they went further and refrained from washing or they stripped their jeweled adornments off or they may have sat barefoot on the ground with their hands on their head as Job did and his friends with him. Sometimes hired mourners were brought in who cried and wailed. 
But that was then. It's not our custom now here in the West. But what of inward expression? How do we deal emotionally with massive grief in a God-honoring way? And how do we let it out and not let it turn to bitterness or anger or depression? Now, the difference between grief and lamentation is that lamentation is the voice of grief. And lamentation is a process of grieving. Grief you feel. And lamenting you do. Now, we'll see tomorrow some biblical figures who lamented and did not dishonor God in their grief. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I thank you for listening, and please do tune in tomorrow for part two. Meanwhile, I hope you have a wonderful day.